0: episode of the New Craft House podcast is sponsored by FAF. We use FAF sewing machines in all of our sewing and in all of our workshops, and they really are the best of the best. With everything from beginner machines
1: like their Smarter range to the ambition machines that we use in classes to the top of the range creative icon, FAF has something for every sewist.
0: Today I'm joined by Kate Roberts from Project Patterns, a hub for all things pattern cutting. While studying fashion design at uni, Kate learned the foundations of pattern cutting and went on to work for the likes of Topshop, Peter Pilotto and Amelia Wickstead. She discovered the home sewing world in 2018 and shortly afterwards set up her own company, Project Patterns, to teach home sewers pattern cutting skills. Throughout lockdown, she's been running online courses via Zoom and shares so many great pattern cutting tips on her Instagram. I'm very excited to chat to Kate today. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. God, that's really hard to say, pattern-cutting tips. It's a lot of tease. Yeah, it is. I've yeah, never it's a said of a it that twister. many times in a row.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, lockdown 2.0, which is annoying but necessary. Um, but yeah, just kind of like plodding along, like you said, doing all the online teaching and stuff like that and still freelancing. So actually, life is not too different apart from the fact that I'm not going out. How about you? Where, where are you? So, I'm in Bristol. I moved to Bristol about, I keep saying a year ago, but it's actually now over a year. Um, just, yeah, i had a bit too much of London and kind of was ready for a break. So we moved down here and quite happy about it because of lockdown. It means that I actually have a studio in my house rather than having one not in my house and not on my boat because I was on a boat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how me and Kate know each other. So we were I used to see you around when you're on the boat and you're moving, you kind of move like in flow with other people who are doing like the same cruising pattern as you. Um, and I think we were sort of in that. Right. Yeah. Like we were sort of nearby for a while.
1: Yeah, I think I always used to see you walking twigs and I had a really little cat at the time. So I was always on the deck with my cat trying to be like, don't go too far. Don't jump in the water. Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd always kind of just see each other, wouldn't we? But I think it yeah, wasn't until it, we got on a train together, like back from London, I think, because we were a bit yeah. far out. And then we started talking about work and then we both suddenly were like, wait, what do you what do you do?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I said we were looking for a pattern cutting teacher and you were like, I'm a pattern cutter.
1: <laughs> Perfect. A bit like fate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Was that your first like, experience of here? Well, first time you'd heard about like the home sewing community? Or or were you already aware
1: of it? Um, I don't think I was aware of it that it was so big um, or so modern. I was aware of it more because my mum has always sewed. um, So I knew of like Vogue patterns and Butterick patterns. And I'd used those when I was a teenager. But I wasn't aware of like the indie sewing world at all. So I think, yeah, coming to work for you was definitely a bit of a opening my mind experience.
0: You just like mentioned that you sewed when you were a teenager. Do you yeah. want to start by telling us about your sewing journey?
1: Yeah, so it started when I was really young. So My mum has always sewn um, and has had sewing businesses on and off my entire life. So I kind of learned through her and weirdly she actually didn't really want to teach me. I think she didn't really want to like force her hobbies or her interests on me. But I got to kind of like young teenager and was like, actually, i quite like to learn to sew. This it's quite fun. So I started sewing through that. Um, was really, really terrible. I remember making a skirt for my friend for her like 16th or 17th birthday. And it was like a little pencil skirt. She literally couldn't walk. I, did, I didn't put a vent in it at all. Like she <laughs> couldn't walk. <laughs> and Bless her. She wore it like three times. <laughs> true, true friendship. Um. So yeah, I learned to sew when I was a teenager with my mum and then eventually decided that, oh, I quite like this sewing stuff. I think I wanna make a career out of it. So then I went to study fashion design at uni um, and that's where I discovered pattern cutting because I had never really thought about the fact that someone actually has to make those patterns. That's a job. So I discovered pattern cutting, really, really liked it. And then once I graduated, went into the industry and became a pattern cutter. And that's, that's me really at
0: uni when you're studying fashion design what sort of because I would have imagined that it was mostly like the designing and we've had people come to classes here who can't who want to learn to sew. they're doing like the beginner um learn to sew courses and they're studying fashion design at um is it UAL that's just around the corner from here yeah and so what is what different elements did you learn when you were there was it really pattern cutting
1: heavy Um, I was really lucky so every course is different is probably like the first thing to say some courses have a really um, heavy technical kind of knowledge or base and I specifically chose a course with that because I really liked sewing so I knew that technical stuff was probably going to be my strength there so we were really lucky we we had a whole module just for sewing every single term so we got taught right from the basics kind of like all your basic seams, all your basic sewing stuff. We also got taught really in-depth stuff about like tailored jackets and traditionally tailored trousers and that kind of stuff. Um, and then alongside that, we were also taught all the padding cutting to go with it. So we were kind of learning the basics of sewing at a professional level and then learning the basics of padding cutting also at a professional level. And then we would be given projects So you would have to design something and then you'd have to make the pattern for it. And then you'd also have to sew it and you'd get graded on that. So it was a good all round experience, I think.
0: Yeah, from seeing something through from like design right to the end.
1: Yeah, completely. But not all courses are like that in the UK. Some courses... They still have some technical knowledge, but it's more done as just like a lecture. But the emphasis is more on the design. So you're allowed to outsource your technical stuff. You're allowed to kind of pay someone to sew and make your patterns and stuff as well. But yeah, not on our course.
0: And when you were working in like for Amelia Wickstead, say, how much of the designing did you do? Or was, or would you get given something and then? Because I don't know anything about the
1: fashion world. <laughs> <laughs> so no designing for me. Um, it's it's more separated into like little jobs, almost like a not a conveyor belt. But if you think about like everyone has their own job that they do within kind of the bigger wheel that goes to create a garment. So somebody else does the design. They do like a sketch or they have a series of inspiration images, and then they'll bring that to me. I'll make the pattern or I'll do the drape um, and we'll, it's quite collaborative, you know, I'll I'll go to them and say, oh, actually the proportions here on the sketch look like this, but when I see it in real life, I think actually this might be a slightly nicer proportion and we kind of have that discussion. Once I've made the pattern, then I give it to someone else who cuts out the fabric and then that person gives it to someone else to actually sew. (laughs) So we all have our own little jobs in the cycle. And then again, like the sewing process is really collaborative. So the seamstress might have a kind of better finish that I, than I would have had, or she might think, oh, do you know what, this little area is really fiddly to sew. When this eventually goes to a factory, they're not going to be able to do this. So why don't we simplify this? Or why don't we try a slightly different type of pocket or something like that? So again, it's really collaborative. And then I, again, have to go back to the designer with that feedback, and then we talk about that too. So it's separated, okay. but it's linked.
0: And then it starts again. Yeah, yeah. With like variations, and then mm.
1: yeah, you repeat the process probably like three times because you also once you've got your garment, then you fit it on the model, and then you normally have fit amendments as well as design amendments because once the designer sees it, then they think, you know, what I thought that would look really good, but I don't really like that. Let's move that seam, or let's put a different Mm -hmm. sleeve on it, or something like that. So now that when you're working freelance,
0: are you posting those around?
1: Yeah, so I work digitally, which is great for freelance. So I can just email, I can email patterns. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, so often people will um, post me down samples that they already have or kind of inspiration garments. And then I can work from those um, and from, like, the specs, they give me the sketches, and then I can just email the pattern over to them or over to the factory, which, yeah, is quite nice. That's cool. And do you have
0: a business – because – I was looking for your website by your about us and you said that one of like the best things about working in industry was seeing people wearing your designs.
1: Yeah, quite nice. <laughs> Can you name some. <laughs> <laughs> um I think my like my highlight is probably Michelle Obama wore one of my outfits. Really? Yeah. What from Amelia Wickstead? From Peter Pilotto. O- o- oh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it that like? was
0: We'll put a picture of it in the show notes. Can we do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll send you one. Um, (laughs) I've got a few, don't you worry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it was like this um, blue draped top. I actually have the white version of it. So technically, Michelle Obama and I have the same top, which I'm quite happy about. So yeah, it was this like draped shirt and then draped skirt as well in the same fabric. Um, But it was really cool. When I was at Piloto, I did loads of draping. The designer and I got on really well there. So most of their draped stuff from the period that I was there were in my patterns. So a lot of celebrities kind of wear their stuff and also Amelia Wicks stuff. So yeah, she's my career highlight. <laughs> and so then in
0: 2018, after our train ride home one night, <laughs> <laughs> and you, I think I rec- it wasn't that long after that you came and did your first class with us. And you designed that class, really. Yeah. The contents of it.
1: Yeah, which was the first one we did? Was it the drafting the skirt and bodice block? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So people left with the, the blocks to build a dress, basically, or a top or a...
1: Yeah. So I think, yeah, they drafted it and then they made the trial, we fitted it, and then they went home. Yeah, that was not too long after we had that, that train I ride. I think so. Yeah, that's kind of where it all kicked off, I think. That was my first proper teaching experience I'd done a fair amount of training juniors in the industry but not in like a teaching setting like with you I just really enjoyed it I just thought this is actually so rewarding so nice like the people are really lovely and I think that's what made me want to start Project Patterns to sort of share the knowledge it was nice that people wanted to learn as well
0: yeah rather than like reluctantly like they've they've paid to come to the class they want to get as much knowledge from it as possible and then people from the home zone world are generally really nice
1: (laughs) yeah completely and I think because I thought about maybe like approaching one of the unis to do a bit of teaching there but pattern cutting has a bit of a reputation for being a bit boring and mathematical (laughs) so when you're a student it's not like top of your list of things that you're really enthusiastic about learning I think that always put me off but in that yeah, in the home sewing world, if you've paid to do a class to learn padding cutting, you really want to learn padding cutting. So
0: you kind of touched on it like that. well, how would you say, what are the main differences between the work you're doing in the home sewing world and the work you did in the fashion world? You're still doing freelance work for.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm still nurses. working. Okay. yeah, I'm still uh, freelancing because I just think it's really important to still to still do that it keeps my skill up and I think that industry knowledge is valuable to my students as well and yeah, I'm, al- I'm always learning as well I would hate to stop learning I mean, learning is really fun and I really enjoy it and if I stop working at a professional level then I'm not going to learn at the same rate that I have been in the past but yeah some of the differences um, I say the people are quite different is <laughs> probably the biggest one yeah. um <laughs> I love fashion um and I have met some of my favorite people in the world in the industry but I've also met some of my least favorite people in the world <laughs> that's a nice way to put it <laughs> diplomatic way <laughs> yeah. um no but I, in the home world I think everyone is just so lovely um and in the fashion world there are a lot of egos let's say that you have to yeah, kind that's of exactly what I was
0: gonna say yeah. I guess the reasons people do them are completely different like the reason someone might choose to work in fashion is so miles apart from the reason why someone picks up sewing at home on their own quietly like making their own wardrobe
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and I think fashion could be like all-consuming particularly if you're at the luxury level it is literally like you should be thankful to be working here and your whole life should be about this and how dare you want to leave on time, you should be working here 20 hours a day. And Mm. that can be quite tiresome. Whereas I think in the home sewing world, because it's people's hobby, people are quite happy to like fit it around and they understand, oh, okay, I can't have a class at this particular time because you also have a life, which is quite nice. You don't really get that in fashion. But that's
0: also because p- it's your own business, like people can't demand anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <They're just> like, <laughs> not online. <laughs> yeah, that's really <Unreachable>. true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I still struggle with the fact of thinking about it like it's my business. Because I think... Yeah, you
0: can do what you want and when, work when you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like freelancing technically is still my own business, but I still have yeah. someone that I work for. Whereas when I teach i'm not teaching you know for you guys or for another um workshop company like you then i am actually just my own boss which i think is still something that i'm like oh wait does that mean i'm a business owner
0: (laughs) yeah definitely even when you're teaching for us you're coming in as like the expert pattern cutter so i think that is still you're still very much your boss there
1: in those instances (laughs) yeah maybe seems a bit grown up somehow I think in my head, I still think I'm 18, but very much not anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How do you split your time now between freelance work and project plans? Do you have a strict schedule that you like work on one these two days or is it pretty fluid? Um,
1: So I did have a really strict schedule before lockdown. I had three days a week for freelance work and then two days a week for teaching um but it's less strict now because my freelance work is different so I don't have um like my regular three three day a week clients I now have lots of little clients and sometimes sometimes they have lots of work sometimes they don't have so much work so I kind of just split it depending on what work is around and if I have classes booked in then obviously I I don't take freelance work for those days whereas if I haven't got any classes booked in generally I'll do some freelance work and then any kind of like editing videos and stuff I can fit in around that.
0: And the videos that you're editing, they're for online courses?
1: They are, mm-hmm. yeah. So I do a bit of um a few classes on Skillshare and stuff like that. Um and I've just actually launched a new section to my website where I have my most recent class on my website and you can do it in like a Skillshare format. Um so I want to do more of that because I think that's really valuable. The Zoom classes are great. But there's only so much you can fit in to a few hours and I think it gets really intense Then people get really tired and then they don't learn as much as they could. So I think doing the pre-recorded online classes are really, really good because you can do it at home on your own time your own pace. You can also replay things. You're not holding up the class yeah. if you're asking to see something again. So yeah, I want to do a little bit more of that. So I'm, I'm working on a few a few classes. What classes do you have up at the moment? So at the moment I've got a one called How to Draft Your Own T-Shirt Pattern. So it's just drafting from scratch um, a t-shirt pattern. It's quite like a boxy fit. So you learn how to do the front, the back, the sleeve and the neckband. And then you it kind of goes through like the basics of the tools and how to measure and what measurements you need and that kind of stuff. And then how to do some basic amendments. So like lowering the neck or changing it to a v-neck, adding in a back yoke, that kind of stuff. And then another one is how to draft a skirt block. So again, kind of takes you through the basics um, and then shows you how to draft the skirt block and then gives you some like fitting advice. And then another one is how to make skirt patterns. So what to do with your skirt block once you've drafted it. So how to make an A-line skirt, how to rotate darts, how to slash in some gathers for extra volume, that kind of stuff. So aim mostly at beginners, um, but I'm hoping eventually to do more of a comprehensive beginner one. So not drafting blocks, because I think that should be a separate thing, but more aimed at like how to make the patterns. So what to do with your blocks next.
0: So you'll take the first two like block building courses, block drafting, and then learn how to manipulate those and add on bits to do different designs.
1: Yeah, because I think that's often where people get stuck. There's a lot of beginner stuff out there for how to draft blocks. But then people are like, okay, well, I've got this block. Now, what do I do with it? So, yeah, I would really yeah. like to show people more about how how you can basically create anything from that block. Because I think that's where it gets really fun. It gets really experimental. You can rotate your darts. You can slash in loads of extra volume. You can bung in loads of different seams. You can change the grain. All those kinds of things, I think that's the bit of pattern cutting that I really like it's really creative yeah because I did a pattern cutting
0: um like I built I did a bodice block and a skirt block years ago in um race at race edge. must have been like five years ago and the class was really great but and I made like a couple of skirts from them but I never did anything really with them after
1: yeah and and I I think think I just
0: didn't really know what to do I was just a bit like well I've got these now but other than making, like, a little mini skirt, which involved no... Um, <laughs> just shortening no the hem. No, like, design. <laughs> <flair>. <laughs> yeah, I just shortened the hem a bit and put on a waistband. Um, I don't think I did anything else with them.
1: Yeah, and I I've think started, that's I mean, quite they, common.
0: Yeah. So, the, like, having some... Even just, to, like, make a basic top from the block. Yeah. I would love that. And then with different sleeves, because then you can make so many different garments from that. Like, yeah. the bulk of your wardrobe.
1: Yeah, exactly. Even really simple things like changing necklines, like you know, it seems second nature to me, but lots of people don't know how to do yeah, backs, I wouldn't know so how that. So that would do. be like a beginner thing to teach, which I think would be really valuable because you can take your your bodice block, change the neckline to like a boat neck, or drop it down to like a low V. Maybe take the sleeves off and add a little a little bit of gathers yeah. under the bust, and you've got a whole different top, and you've only done like three small amendments, which is actually really easy.
0: the home sewing world is really skilled now they are like amazing seamstresses yeah so yeah. it makes sense that people are at this point where they actually want to take their skills beyond just like following a pattern yeah and, yeah, and learn be. something new because if you've sewn for like 10 years it's quite rare now that when I sew something I'm like okay this is a totally new um like skill that I haven't done before yeah. Um and I other than and I and I really would like to learn something new. So I think for me like that would be pattern cutting or um tailoring is the other thing where I think that'd be like completely new skills. Yeah. So yes. I'm sure it's the same for loads of people in the sewing world, like that opportunity to learn something new and push themselves again.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think from what I've seen a lot of one of the reasons a lot of people get into sewing their own clothes is because they want to have unique clothing. And then I think you know you can take uh pre-made patterns and use those and change the fabrics and you know do little hacks to change them ever so slightly, but I think once you've mastered that, like you say, you want to try something new. Like pattern cutting is the natural next step because then your garment's completely unique. Like no one has that ever, only you, which is pretty cool. I think
0: yeah and to get I mean this level is probably miles away but if you could get to the level where if you could see a photo of a garment and then (laughs) make a pattern from it
1: yeah I mean you make it sound like it's probably quite hard but it's actually really easy I think you just have to find the right like mindset approach to it I think often people overthink things a little bit more than they should and um you have, like, there's only so much you can predict from the paper, like, you can draft and get things great on the paper, and make sure all your measurements are good, and check the run of stuff, but at the end of the day, it's a 3D garment, so you have to just go for it, have fun, be creative with your pattern, try your best to get it to, you know, the photo of what you've got, or the design you've got, and then just get it on the body, and if it looks different, then that's fine, just change it, you know, redraw on your seams, or change your gathering, or change your sleeve, or you just have to experiment, I think.
0: Maybe this is where I would fall down because I'm—I don't think I'm patient enough.
1: It is to, yeah, it's is spend a...
0: those hours of like redoing bits.
1: Yeah, it's quite a long process sometimes, and I—I I won't lie. Like, I always say, "Oh well, you have to make a pattern, then you have to twirl it, and then you have to yeah. amend <laughs> it, and then you have to twirl it again, and then you make your final one." I very rarely follow that process for myself. Obviously, it's best practice. Everyone else should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Teach the best way, not the way. But yeah, it's long. Like, if I... Like, I'm always a last-minute sewer. So if I've got a wedding that I'm going to, like, next week, although 2020, never happening. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if I have a wedding that I'm going to next week, classic me will be, like, three days before the wedding. Oh, wait, I'm going to make a dress for the wedding. And then I obviously don't have time to, like, twirl everything three times. So I... Yeah, I do cut corners just like everyone else. But yeah, it's a long process if you don't cut the corners. But worth it normally.
0: Yeah, worth multiple twirls. Yeah, this is exactly the same. So when we do like um, jeans making classes, I always say, you know, your next—you might have got your pattern fitted now, but the next pair, you're always going to have to bathe them up and do that first initial fitting. Yeah, and like that is not something that I do.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah but when you do actually do it don't you realize how good it is yeah I
0: mean yeah definitely yeah, yeah. I think I think it's if you're spending enough time sewing to think that you can allocate that p- amount of it to the fitting but obviously it's always worth it yeah yeah completely. other than the fluke time when you get it right by chance
1: yeah there's always whenever I cut the corners there's always something I'm not happy with on my final yes yeah, my final, final garment and my like my goal for this winter is to make myself like a really gorgeous coat. So I've got like all my final fabrics and I'm now trying to like buy twirling fabrics because I'm like, I'm not going to cut any corners. I'm going to do it properly. This is going to do something. This is going to be a piece that I keep for years and years. But yeah, I'm slightly what putting t- it off. What style? Um, I think it's going to be quite oversized, but quite cropped, quite drop shoulder, um, maybe like double breasted. Yeah, quite like boxy, if that makes sense. Like oversized shoulders, but a little full bit full length. No, I think it might be uh, not really cropped. Maybe like high hip kind of area. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. So like, would cover the top of a low waisted jean, but um, wouldn't maybe cover like my bum if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with big pockets, obviously.
0: <laughs> That's sewing a coat is just not something. I'm looking over there because. We've just got um, a big load of wools that are going on sale this week. But um, I just... I thought about keeping some to make a coat. I'm going to try and make a jacket, but making a coat, I just can't commit the time to it, the effort, more, more than the time, to be honest.
1: Yeah. I always think if I do it unlined, then it might be quicker and I don't have to spend days and days doing it. But then I'm like, if I do it unlined, I have to bind it, and that actually Yeah, I think that's worse.
0: Yeah. Because, well, for me binding it and getting it looking neat is a much bigger task than just lining
1: it yeah i find it in the industry we have these binding feet um, where you don't have to fold the binding it just comes flat and it always works like it never goes wrong it's always perfect you know faf
0: have this foot do they? And I used them when, when we went to visit them at the head office once. We used one as a demo, and I don't, I, I'm going to actually write that on my list right now to buy.
1: <laughs> it makes binding it's an amazing so easy. Fit.
0: And it just sewed it like perfectly down both sides. Yeah. 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 Why don't I just buy one of them?
1: Then you'll literally be binding everything. It's so good. It's as quick as overlocking.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to order one of them.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to upgrade and get a new faff machine. <laughs> what do you have at the moment? So I have an a industrial. fast overlocker um, and I have a Janome um, domestic. I did have an industrial and then when we moved to Bristol, it's just huge and really heavy. So kind of thought it's not really worth taking up that much space in the van. I can get one down here when I eventually get another studio.
0: Yeah. Do you miss sewing
1: on one? I do actually. Yeah. I've been doing quite a lot of sewing in lockdown, mainly face masks. But um, I just find my industrial would just, I don't know, nothing would ever go wrong. I'd never have any like stitches yeah. catching or anything like that, whereas my domestic is not quite so durable. And the power of a industrial is good. You can just get through so many layers so easily.
0: Yeah, and everyone always says the um the speed of them. Yeah, so fast. Well, I can't imagine ever wanting to go <laughs> that fast. <laughs>
1: The thing is, I always think I go quite fast and then I watch the professional machinists that I work with and it blows my mind. The speed that they stitch and the accuracy that they manage to get with it is out of this world. Just so practised at doing it.
0: Yeah. I'd love to watch a machinist sew like, up a sample, actually. It's quite so mesmerising. if you have no experience of it, I've only ever seen people who've like mostly self-taught, I guess so.
1: It's quite mesmerising. Um... But the problem that I find is because, like I said, I don't actually sew my own samples in the industry. The professional machinist sews them. And obviously their quality of sewing is like a million times better than mine. <laughs> so I get these like amazing samples from some of the best machinists in the industry. And then I sew something myself. I'm like, oh, <laughs> why doesn't this look like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done everything exactly the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just doesn't look quite is
0: finished no exactly so your online classes you started those during lockdown the first lockdown
1: yes yeah before that I was just teaching in person um but yeah lockdown obviously everyone moved online I had quite a lot of classes cancelled because of lockdown um but yeah moving online was surprisingly surprisingly good. I think it really took off because everyone obviously was at home and wanted to learn new hobbies but I think aside from people wanting to learn it was just a nice way to connect with other people especially like-minded people Um, and I had a few students who did each class I offered. I think I did like three different ones and they basically were like yeah well, I live on my own so I'm completely isolated. So this is a really nice thing to do at the weekend for three hours and just get to like chat to other people that also really want to learn pattern cutting. And it was really nice for me as well, actually. Like I really enjoyed it. I saw quite a
0: few people doing your um, T-shirt.
1: Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, it's nice to be able to say like, come and do this class and you'll, you'll have a garment at the end of it or at the pattern for a garment. Because often I think with the block drafting classes like you people are like great i've got this block what do i do with it whereas a t-shirt you can make a t-shirt
0: yeah and a t-shirt's the type of thing where if you want to make a t-shirt there are patterns out there obviously but none of them are like the ultimate t-shirt pattern
1: no exactly if you
0: drafted it yourself i feel like i'd just be so content with that one pattern and
1: and then you never need another t-shirt pattern ever again (laughs) Well, until you decide to change a t-shirt. But then you can change it based, yeah. on, the, based on the pattern you already have. Long-sleeved, short-sleeved, <laughs> done. <laughs> Slightly lower neck.
0: <laughs> so in this lockdown, are you
1: running classes at the moment? Um, I am kind of not as many as I was running before. Um, I just did a bodice uh, drafting one at the weekend and then I'm thinking about maybe doing another one in a couple of weeks but like I said I've got quite a lot of freelance work on at the moment so I'm trying to juggle the two um but I'm doing a lot of one-to-one classes um which is why the group classes were taking a bit of a backseat
0: so in those classes of one-to-one can the student choose whatever they want to learn
1: yeah within within reason like what I'm capable of teaching over zoom because it is a different experience it's it's really different not being there in person, not being able to see what they're doing. So things like fitting, I've done a couple of fitting classes to help people with fitting issues that they're having, but I just don't think they work that well. It's quite difficult, yeah. Really tricky. You can't see that clearly. Um, so it's very student-led. And if if the student is really confident in their fitting, but just isn't sure about how to make how to transfer those fitting things from the garment onto the pattern, then I can help there. But if someone's not sure about the actual fitting, they're like, I just don't know what to do with this garment, then it's really hard for me to help if I'm not there in person. So I'm kind of saying no fitting stuff, really more pattern cutting. So more like we were saying, now I've got my block. What do I do? More kind of creative stuff that way. But yeah, people can choose anything they want. Um, Some people are going right through from like block drafting and then having like ongoing lessons. Some people have come with a sketch and been like, I really want to make this garment can you show me how and then we've you know done one or two sessions doing that so it's it's quite fun actually
0: yeah that'd be great to come with like your ultimate dress
1: or like with your favorite garment if you've got one already yeah yeah how to copy and then a garment
0: creating a pattern from it
1: yeah yeah completely and
0: then in the future online like you said you're working on courses at the moment but do you mind, do you have any plans like Try to do anything else alongside them so like
1: pattern line maybe I've thought about <laughs> it um yeah I've thought about it and actually when we met and I taught our first class for you, when I started project patterns that's what I thought it was going to be I didn't actually think it was going to be a teaching thing I thought it was going to be patterns for people to make um but I just really like the teaching I find it really rewarding yeah. um and I think there are so many people out there doing patterns already and they're doing it really, really well. So it's that kind of like business decision of moving into like a really crowded market already as a newbie. Um, or I stick with the teaching that I really enjoy and really like. So I think probably not pattern line. I do a um... couple. No, go on.
0: I was just gonna say there's so many pattern companies now, but there aren't that many people teaching pattern cutting. So no. actually it's probably a really good decision. And With... when you've got the the online courses, it's like if there's a way that you can take it away from you having to be there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be ideal. Then that's even better, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's like an online course. People can do them. Contact you for one to ones if they want to go beyond that.
1: Yeah. I think ideally I'd like to have um, a studio that people could come to as well for learning because it's like the weekend classes I do with you are so lovely because you really get to know the students and they get to know each other and I know that quite a few people have made friends through that and yeah. I, I've definitely stayed in touch with quite a few people and um, I really like their idea of community so I would ideally like to have a studio that people come to and I can run courses but I would like to make it a bit bigger so it's not just me teaching. Um, so maybe get a few more teachers to come and kind of share the knowledge. And maybe people who have different specialities to me. Someone who's a special uh, specialist in tailoring would be really nice to have as well. Um, or someone specialist in menswear, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe like a hub of like the more technical side of home sewing world. Yeah,
1: yeah. But pattern cutting is quite niche, so... We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably all know that we are huge fans of Pfaff machines. We use them in all of our workshops and when we're sewing at home on our boats.
0: So what do we love most
1: about them? They're
0: super smooth to sew on with a sleek design and their iconic IDT system, essentially a built-in walking foot, makes handling all types of fabric a dream. We honestly couldn't sew what we do without them.
1: Get in touch with us if you fancy a machine upgrade or if you'd like to know more about any of the models.
0: One thing that I remember you telling me about that sounded really manic was fashion shows. And I think our listeners would quite like to hear about that behind the scenes. And I remember it was, I mean, obviously this hasn't happened in 2020. Or
1: oh, did you have London Fashion Week before? We had Fashion Week in February, like just got oh, it in. just in time. Yeah, but I had just moved to Bristol, so I managed to not do it. Or did I do it? No, I did the September one. Yeah, I managed not to do Fashion Week in February, but I did the one in September, like a month after I moved to Bristol. And I ended up actually um, having to move back to London for two weeks.
0: <laughs> so it's just it was, impossible
1: Yeah, it was to just commute. Yeah, exactly. And Fashion Week's intense. It's really fun and it's really exciting. And I love being a part of it, but it's really, really intense. Um, so you have, for like a month before Fashion Week... Basically, you don't take holiday, you don't have any plans in the evenings or the weekends because you're working, <laughs> yeah, like seven days a week, pretty intense. Um, seven days a week? Yeah, like some companies are better than others, not all companies are that intense. Um, but yeah, most most companies are like six or seven days a week, definitely not five days a week, like minimum six days a week. And then you normally work. <laughs> when I'm saying it, it sounds so crazy, but when you're in it, it's not that mental um but yeah you work until maybe like 10 o'clock most nights minimum um and then you start work at like well some some companies start a little bit later they start at 10 um but they buy you food and they buy you lots of treats which is nice <laughs> and um I worked at one company where the night before the show it's kind of standard that you pull an all-nighter I think the longest day I've worked is 29 just, hours that
0: is what with no like sleep not even a nap
1: no some people, some people do go and have a little nap. Um, but, yeah, no, generally you're, like, you're there. You're hand-beading or you're sewing on buttons or you're um, doing stuff like that.
0: So you're at that point, you're not even just doing pattern cutting. You're, like, pitching in wherever it's needed.
1: Yeah, by that point, all the patterns are done. So we used to, uh, um, when I was working at Piloto, we, well, we tried to kind of stagger it a little bit so the pattern cutters in theory what well, other than design like in, when it comes to technical stuff like we're the first person in the cycle so our work has to be done for the machinists to be able to do, to do their work so we tried to stagger it so that we only had two weeks of working like seven days a week 10 hours a day kind of thing so we tried to do it a month before fashion week and then the machinists also only had two weeks so they had the two weeks before fashion week okay um it didn't work but we tried it and in theory that's what <laughs> should happen um but it doesn't really work because designs change and they evolve, and sometimes you have to redo the collection, which is stressful. But um... well,
0: at the last minute, is that at the whim of like, the designer?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but I... they've worked
0: on this collection for months, and then at the last moment, they decide they don't like it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. What have they been doing for
0: the last <laughs> like, the last like, six months? Then
1: <laughs> I know it's, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I guess sometimes I sometimes designers run on that adrenaline of fashion week so they can work for months and months and months and develop a collection and then as soon as that adrenaline kicks in from fashion week the inspiration comes and they're like you know what this collection's nice but I can do better and then you you know you have to rebuild what you've got generally you can like use elements already of what you've created but you kind of rebuild from there but um fashion week's intense but it's really really fun and I wouldn't I wouldn't change my fashion week experiences, but I also <laughs> don't really want to do them again.
0: <laughs> when is there, a, there won't be one even in February, 2021, will there?
1: I don't know. I guess it depends on this vaccine, right? But I, people but yeah, of course. also depends on international travel because fashion weeks, yeah. it's, it's a business thing. It's, it's not really supposed to be like a show for the public. It's a show for international buyers. And, um, there are no international buyers coming what's the point in putting on a fashion show I guess when you can do it digital
0: is that what happened for the autumn winter one
1: yeah yeah the one just gone which I mean the, the presentations were pretty beautiful and amazing but I think from chatting to people obviously like numbers haven't been as good and you you know you don't have the the press maybe or the the that comes with having a show so it is a different experience.
0: Because you'd have thought maybe it could have gone the other way even and that actually people would have preferred it because you could pre-record it. Or were they still live?
1: The shows? No, they were
0: pre-recorded. So then you can like make it literally perfect.
1: But then it's almost like you That's have a bit too, too much, many isn't it? opportunities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, you know, when you're drawing something. Sometimes you need to know when to leave it. I think often with designers it's the same thing like if you give them the opportunity they will keep making changes and strive for perfection you have to give them a cutoff.
0: yeah and like the production level would go up and up and up
1: yeah exactly until you're like
0: making a sort of mini film
1: (laughs) exactly yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that actually sounds worse in a way
1: So yeah I also have a podcast that I host with um, another another professional pattern cutter that I used to work with um, or still kind of work with but she um, is maybe less in the home sewing world as I am so we have slightly different perspectives on it which is really nice and we talk about kind of pattern cutting in general but also the fashion industry so we both have some quite um fashion-y stories let's say like quite stereotypical ones and we talk about that quite a lot on our podcast and um, experiences she's a little bit more experienced so she's been in the industry a little bit longer so we talk about the wider fashion industry um, our experiences and then things like obviously padding cutting and then more like kind of fun general fashion things as well so I think we've got a episode on like sample sales which unless you work in fashion you don't really know much about so it's quite cool to share that with the world What's it called? The podcast. <laughs> it's called. Probably should have started with that, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> it's called Fashion Half Cut, um, and it's on iTunes, Spotify, kind of all the all the usual places. And how often do they come out? So we only release them every two weeks because we both still freelance. We both teach as well. She also has um, online classes that she does. So. As you know, podcasts can be quite labour intensive, Um, (laughs) which, you know, we love doing it and it is a labour of love. But doing a weekly one is quite a lot of work. So we do it every two weeks, um, but we aim to have quite long episodes. So hopefully that sort of like counteracts the fact that we only do it every two weeks.
0: We'll put the link for it in the show notes.
1: Because if you want to listen
0: to like sewing podcasts, fashion-y related podcasts, there aren't actually that many
1: no so I feel like people
0: are always looking for new podcasts to listen to
1: yeah I think podcasts are so good when you're sewing at home to have like it on in the background because I even when I'm when I'm freelance like doing work on the computer and stuff I like to have sewing podcasts on even if it's not even if it's stuff I already know yeah it's just the chat of it yeah exactly yeah it always feels like you've got a couple of mates in the room with you like having a chat about sewing it's great talk about sewing all day (laughs)
0: i like i listen to them on my walk in i like to listen to them on my dog walk but oh, can you can you hear that
1: that is perfect timing
0: yeah <laughs> um but she is not well behaved enough for me to like not be paying her attention basically well <laughs> like if i'm just strolling along listening to a podcast i'll turn around and twigs will be like 500 meters away disappearing fast into the distance <laughs>
1: So where can our listeners find you? So I'm pretty addicted to Instagram, as everyone is. So I'm at Project Patterns on Instagram. Um, I also have a website, www.projectpatterns.co.uk, where you can buy like pattern cutting tools, so things like rulers, notches, drill holes, that kind of thing. And like I said, I now have a online course on there and more are coming. Um, I'm also on Skillshare, Project Patterns as well. And like I said, I also have a podcast, uh, Fashion Half Cut, and we are on Instagram at Fashion Half Cut as well.
0: And last question before we leave you is, what was the last thing you sewed? Other than a face covering, because lots of people have been saying that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Be a bit more great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did a calico mock-up of a dress that I'm doing for freelance you work, know. actually. Hmm. Can you tell us who it is or...? Not it's a secret. A great secret. I know that's the only thing I really want to share my freelance work because it's normally really fun. But by the time I'm actually out to share it, it's like a year down the line.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you're on to different things by then. Exactly. Thanks for coming on. Lovely to chat with you. And hopefully see you at an in-person class. That would be amazing.
1: In 2021. Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It was lovely to catch up. Bye. Bye. Bye.